0: The Mountaineers have been on a mission since July. You may have heard that they were picked to finish 14th in the Big 12 Conference, dead last, written off long before this season began. Tonight, they're bowl eligible with three games to go, thanks to a 37-7 drubbing of BYU, the largest margin of victory in a conference game during Neil Brown's tenure at the helm we're here to break the action down for you on the golden blue nation podcast it's nick farrell alongside angelica trinone reacting to a 30 point west virginia victory and a rare appearance on the golden blue nation podcast from angelica trinone
1: well you know i'm always in the post game room i'm always doing the report but you know tonight Fortunate enough that while Country Roads was playing, we were getting it done. So uh, happy that I could fill in for Ryan Decker.
0: Man, I still feel that the Big 12 just does not care about the Eastern Time Zone. They don't. Like, I know that the graphics said the Eastern Time Zone and the Mountain Time Zone, very inclusive when they announced the time for this game against West Virginia between West Virginia and BYU. But man, the length of these games, delaying the start time from 7 to 7.15, East Coast deadlines for television or like 10.45 for yeah, an 11 they, o'clock newscast. They don't care we doing? about our deadlines. What are they we don't doing? care about
1: our television product. No, and they honestly, don't. sad. Yeah, well. But we care. Yeah. Well,
0: uh, sad, that's the only thing that... I- I think I'm really sad about tonight, because it was a fun night at the stadium. Uh, Really quick, just want to say a brief note before we get into this. uh, BYU was dismantled tonight, but their fans took it really well. I mean, like the BYU Cougars fans who were here in attendance were loud, proud, enthusiastic, even though they did not have much to cheer for. Uh, And I thought it was, I don't know, just a great showing. Like I was really impressed by the amount of BYU fans here, how loud they were, and how engaged they were in the game.
1: I know that Coach Brown had said earlier in this week that he anticipated there being a large group of fans that traveled, but I mean, I I don't think I anticipated that many BYU fans being here, especially since they're the farthest one away, uh, farthest opponent that's come to Milan Pushgar Stadium this season. It was great to see, and even just upbeat afterwards, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if upbeat is really the right word, but how more, you know, just saying good try, good game to yeah, the team, Kalani pride. Sataki, yeah, pride, that's that's the word, and Kalani Sataki walking up the tunnel, I mean, for someone who was on the opposite end of, like you said, the dismantling happening, I mean, still just trying to find a way to be encouraging, but I mean, I don't think that he knows how to be anything
0: but, yeah, sure. truly. Yeah, True. Sure. But the Mountaineer fans drowned out the BYU fans oh, throughout yeah. the game including in the third quarter when a loud and lengthy let's go chant broke out when the Mountaineers had the football. Normally you don't see that too often but you do on a night when you're close to shutting out a Power 5 team. So let's go into the stats here. Last week it was the turnover margin that told the story specifically the points off those takeaways. Today it's the rushing yardage stat, right? West Virginia total yardage 567 to BYU's 277. It It wasn't that Jake Retzloff, the junior college transfer who made his first career start in place of the injured Keaton Slovis was bad. Maybe he wasn't outstanding, but 24 for 42 for 57% and 210 passing yards isn't that bad of a stat line for a guy making his first career start in a Big 12 game on the road. But man, that rushing tally, West Virginia 336 on the ground, BYU 67, that really summarizes how this game was dictated by West Virginia and why the Mountaineers were able to possess the ball for about thirty five minutes in the game. We knew coming into it that BYU had about an, an average run stop as far as Big Twelve units go, but certainly did not run the football very effectively, dead last by a large margin in the Big 12 in rushing. They couldn't stop West Virginia defensively when it ran the ball and could not get anything going in that run game against the WVU defense.
1: And this just really goes to show what this West Virginia team can look like Mm. when C.J. Donaldson plays like C.J. Donaldson. That's back-to-back weeks that he's eclipsed 100 rushing yards. And I thought what he had said leading into this game was extremely mature for someone who is not only a college sophomore but someone who is extremely new to the running back position, he was asked what changed in that game against UCF that allowed him to kind of break out a little bit of the slump that he was in, and he said, "Justin Johnson getting the start was a reality check for him. And yeah, CJ went in 6 plays into that game against a UCF, but he said he understands he has to be productive in order for this team to win. Back-to-back games, he's been productive, and he's not been the only one. Coach Brown and Coach Scott both said, "Look for Jaheem White near here the end of the season to be getting more touches just because he's a guy that's a freshman it takes a little bit of time but man Jaheim did not look like a true freshman out there tonight just you know I want to say caught it on Mountaineer game day I said deuces are about to be wild Mm -hmm. 22 Jaheim just saying you know I know my running backs but I think for West Virginia they anticipated multiple running backs being able to to have that type of performance like they did tonight great to see now of course consistently doing that here over the next three games but yeah and you know credit up front to those guys as well not only were you without Doug Nestor Nick Malone was in there Brandon Yates went down for a period of time Jaquay came in they shuffled some guys around when Tomas Remack was out for a little bit so for West Virginia to be able to do what it's doing when it was an experienced offensive line that really hasn't had the opportunity to all play together due to some injuries I think that that really also just speaks to the fight in this team on the ground.
0: Shout out to big number 66 Jaquay Hubbard who will be the The final number 66 in Mountaineer history after the Chuck Howley number retirement tonight. But yeah, on the running backs, uh, Coach Brown saying after tonight's game, no revelations for CJ, Mm -hmm. just continuing to work. Nothing really new for him, and it is clicking now. You'll hear from Coach Brown in just a little bit on this episode of the podcast. Donaldson, 14 attempts, 102 yards, and two rushing scores. jaheem White, 16 attempts, 146 rushing yards to lead the team. Did not score a touchdown, but averaged nine yards per touch. Uh, that's pretty darn good. That's a
1: big league back right there.
0: That's what that is. Uh, already mentioned that it's the largest win of Neil Brown's tenure against a Big 12 opponent. Uh, the previous high, I believe, was 27 points against Kansas State on Halloween of the pandemic season in 2020. It's also the first game with multiple 100 100- yard rushers for WVU against a Big 12 opponent since 2017. Justin Crawford and Kennedy McCoy both hit the century mark on September 23rd, 2017 against the Jayhawks. Crawford going for 125, McCoy for 105. And I also stole this note from the Fox broadcast crew. First time since 2008, that West Virginia has rushed for 275-plus on the ground in back-to-back games. So that's a pretty impressive stat right there. Uh, After the game, Coach Brown calling this the most complete performance that his team has produced here in game nine of the regular season. And I think you really can say, you mentioned Deuces Wild, Michael Hayes nailing some field goals out there. And then you've got the defense again, another terrific performance, very close to a shutout against this Cougars team allowed a touchdown on the final BYU possession. Had one fumble recovery but also forced three turnovers on downs. It was as if BYU could not get anything going, could not get any push against the Mountaineers until that final possession when West Virginia may or may not have been subbing some guys in and out to get some time on the turf. Uh, And got to give a shout out to Beanie Bishop, man. Five more pass breakups. He had 12 entering the game, which led the nation. Adds five more to get to 17. He has been really playing well as of late
1: the only player in the big 12 conference with double digit pass breakups um he obviously is still going to hold that title after tonight but i think west virginia has been searching for this full three phase win every time we talk to coach brown Either two phases, one, something is always missing. It came very close at UCF. He still thought that offensively they had a little more to give tonight. West Virginia able to finally come away with that three phase performance. But again, now it's about doing it consistently. Just because you've done it once doesn't mean that it stops there. West Virginia has to continue to do so in order to have these dominant games. But going back to defense, Coach Brown had said they needed more production out of their safeties. I think Marcus Floyd and Aubrey Mm -hmm. Burks listened in on that, and they said, okay, you want production? We're going to give you production. Marcus Floyd had the first, uh, fourth down stop. He um, had a TFL on that one. Aubrey Burks so close to coming away with that pick. He had another big tackle. I believe he recovered a fumble as well. And this West Virginia defense, for a group that has had some injuries and has really just been searching for some players to step up and emerge. It seems like they are finding a way to do that in the secondary, especially. They knew they were going to have their work cut out for them tonight up against this BYU team, being that it does rely so heavily on the pass. But I was impressed with the way that they answered the call because we've seen some times to where they let these big plays happen to receivers. Coach Brown even said they're still allowing way too many explosive plays, way too many completions. Not tonight, the head honcho got it done, led this West Virginia secondary. And I mean, of course, Beanie Bishop just as good as we thought that he would be. He just keeps getting better and better as the season goes on and man he had some huge plays tonight
0: absolutely so Angelica now, let's quickly mention our turning point presented by first green mortgage your home is the heart of what we do the turning point in the game was probably the opening kickoff or if not it had to be the opening drive for West Virginia which featured three BYU penalties and ended with a two-yard scoring plunge by CJ Donaldson his first of a pair of touchdowns on the night uh, penalties were a theme in this game both teams penalized 10 times kind of uncharacteristic of this particular. West Virginia team uh, but three penalties BYU just could not get off the field had opportunities to do so on that first drive and then trailed the rest of the way after allowing the Mountaineers to score on that opening drive so that's our turning point in tonight's game brought to you by first green mortgage thanks to our friends at first green mortgage I just want to share one more quick thought before we take a brief break and listen to coach Brown's post game press conference I think these last two games Angelica and I want to know if you agree with me I think these last two games have really showcased just how disrespectful West Virginia's preseason last place ranking was. Coach Brown called it lazy before the season. Uh, I would say it is flat out disrespectful right now. I mean, just look, West Virginia, Could have won by three scores against UCF, could have shut out this BYU team tonight. There are six teams in the Big 12 that are 2-4 and or worse right now. Four of them are the Big 12 newcomers. One is Baylor. Not sure that really anybody expected Baylor to be as bad as it is this year under Dave Aranda. And then the sixth team is TCU, who, hello, played for the national championship last year. So I'm not saying that these preseason polls are, like, accurate. They're not a good barometer of the season I get that not everybody knows everything about every team in July but to put West Virginia under those newcomers and it's been clear that there has been a huge learning curve for those four teams this year it's no wonder that those dudes have been fired up about it all season in in Neil Brown's locker room
1: yeah coming into this one BYU is the only newcomer that had a winning record and I think that that also shows that not only just the next level up that the Big 12 conference is but like you said a learning curve and I think that that is what makes the Houston loss so frustrating that's also what to me makes the fourth quarter against Oklahoma State so frustrating because you watch West Virginia play and it puts on a performance like tonight now without their starting quarterback I'm going to be honest I don't know that Keaton Slovis would have made that much of a difference because I believe two starting receivers were out like BYU is pretty banged up into this one so I don't really know that having Keaton Slovis a guy who West Virginia had seen before. I I don't know five
0: times against exactly yeah
1: I, I don't know that that would have made much of a difference but you watch the way that it played tonight and even the way that it played and was able to pull away there at the end at UCF and that's what makes you say you're capable of doing it. So why do the things like the Houston game, Mm. like the fourth quarter of Oklahoma State happened, right? But it brings it back to that lack of consistency. I think that is still something West Virginia is searching for in all three phases. So to me, I don't think that they deserve to be picked to finish 14th. I think that it gave them a lot of motivation, but I think now it gives them even more motivation because they could win out over these last four games and still finish in the middle or near the bottom of where the Big 12 conference is, right? So then it makes you go back and look at the Houston game, makes you go back and look at the Oklahoma State game and think what could have been if you would have showed consistency on just a few more plays. Because if you break it down, that's really two quarters of football that is separating West Virginia from being in a much different position. But like Neil Brown always says championships, one in November, you have the opportunity to prove if you're a pretender or contender, I think West Virginia has shown and hopefully it will continue to do so that it is much definitely a contender. And even though it might not be in terms of for a big 12 championship, it still could be for the best season since Neil Brown's been here. Yeah,
0: it is really hard to gauge the competitive landscape of the Big 12 this season because yeah West Virginia's record may be inflated by the fact that it does get to play all the newcomers in one season where and that's not the case for every team right Um, but I do think you're spot on the fact is if they don't have a Hail Mary caught on the finals play of the game in Houston they're going into the Oklahoma game in Norman In a tie for first place in the conference that's the fact right the only two teams that have one loss are Mm -hmm. texas and oklahoma state which beat oklahoma in the bedlam game we're going to talk about that in just a minute west virginia is quite literally one play away from being locked at the top of the standings with those three teams i think that if you would tell that to any fan if you turn back the clock to 10 10 weeks ago back Mm -hmm. to like august or the beginning of september if you told any fan that that could be the case for this west virginia team they'd take that right away
1: And I think, again, that's what makes it so frustrating is because for a group of people that knew that this team could do and play the way that it's doing now, you see those plays to where just for the moment they don't show discipline. They don't show, you know, they kind of get a little bit of laxed on things. That, That really, especially in the Big 12, you cannot take any plays off like that. And really that's what West Virginia can chalk it down to is just a few bad plays that led to two bad quarters that ended in two bad losses that shouldn't have been that way. So I think for West Virginia, if anything, yeah, you use that 14 as a lot of motivation, but now you need to use it as a motivation for you have the opportunity to still do something that hasn't been done under coach Brown in terms of a record. And now, like he said, they're not looking to bowl eligibility. I understand that, but also at the same time now, I think with three games left, You've gotten bowl eligibility out of the way. Now it's time to play a little angry, right? Mm-hmm. You want revenge for that 14th rank over these last three games? Play like it. That's what I think.
0: Chris, great point. We're going to listen into to Coach Brown's postgame comments. Now, I like that. I feel like Angelica should be giving a, a pregame should speech be, yeah. for the Oklahoma game. Little hey, little if, Bill Stewart I'll be on the tra-
1: Yeah. Hey, and what I say th- nothing cheap.
0: That's right. Nothing, <laughs> nothing cheap. Nothing cheap from the heart.
1: It's from the heart, Straining. it's Mountaineer Pride. That's, right. That's what it is, <laughs> and this team played with Mountaineer Pride tonight.
0: This podcast has gone off the rails. We're going to take a quick break and then go coach Brown's postgame podium to try to salvage something out of this. You're listening to the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Searching for a mortgage lender that's 100% local, personal, and focused on home loans? First Green Mortgage has been serving West Virginia for more than 35 years, and they can assist you with every step of your home ownership journey. Visit them in Bridgeport or Morgantown or at fgm.bank. Okay, as promised, post-game sound now from head coach Neil Brown. Victorious over BYU, thirty-seven-seven at Milan Pushkar Stadium.
2: A uh, great win. A um, lot of respect for for BYU's program, and uh, I think Kalani, one of the better human beings we have coaching, and he's obviously done a really good job there for a long time. So, um, really a really a, a good win for us. I um, thought it was a complete game, defense, offense, special teams. Felt like you know, last two weeks have played you know what we call good football you know and today was probably our most complete game where we where we played uh good in all three phases played good on defense played good on offense special teams wise um and I want to say this too I thought I thought I want to thank the crowd because other than our students um and our maniacs they get here early but other than our students like the crowd got here early tonight and there was there was energy there was juice in the stadium, and. and I think our guys felt that even in pregame. You know, I think there's something special about playing at night here, and there's a little different aura. Even coming in the man trip, uh, we had a bigger crowd. Um, you know, the weather helps. It was a beautiful day. But, man, there was a lot of energy in the man trip, and I thought it, it, it bled right into pregame, and our guys really fed off that. So I want to thank our crowd for, for doing that. If you look at it, um, you know, I think the stats pretty much tell the story. Defensively, only gave up 277 yards, held them to seven points, and that was with some backups. Thought we we're really good on third and fourth down. Um, you know, anytime you hold a team to 67 yards rushing, you're gonna—that's a pretty good day. You, you, you're gonna have a pretty good chance to win that game. Offensively, we continued to to play at a high level. You know, I think that's several games in a row now that we're doing that. You know the things that sticks out: 336 yards rushing, 200 yard rushers. Um, we held the ball for 35 over 35 minutes, um, and then on special teams, our kickoff coverage, we got to get better at that. I, I, don't, I thought we'd made some improvements. I'm not real sure. I got to watch the video and see where we where we failed on that. But only punted one time. I thought our field goal protection was really good. Mike made a really difficult kick. Uh, kick. Um, talking about specialists really proud Danny King got an opportunity went in there and really hit the ball well um but I thought we played um we played you know well on special teams you know And I think nothing no big plays but we didn't give up any negative plays either so um only negative was the penalties you know we've been a team that haven't had hasn't had that all year and uh man there was a lot of penalties in that game and and here's the thing most of them were legit you know, other than, I don't know what the heck that delay was forever that, you know, we had to go to replay and all that. But other the rest of them, they're probably legit and we got to clean that up. And so without Greg, without uh, questions, Greg.
0: So, so start with defense. You know, you guys have struggled there the last few games, but, you know, today, very good injury situation. Your backup starting to get comfortable now. What what was the reason why the defense improved? Yeah, so
2: hard for me to say until, until I watch the tape, but what I thought is I thought that we, would, we obviously did a good job in the run game and kind of and I felt they probably felt like coming in they needed to be one-dimensional you know it's tough you know that the quarterback who's got a quick release man he got rid of the ball fast threw the ball from a bunch of di- different arm angles but that's hard he hasn't played all year and he's going to make his first uh, start on the road two time zones away um national tv all those things that's a tough ask and uh And so, a couple things. I thought we tackled well on a lot of after a couple initial quick screens. I thought we tackled well, got them behind the chains. That helped. Um, And I thought, you know, when you watch the tape, Cutter and Bizer, those guys probably played better. You know, D-line-wise, I think we're doing a better job of keeping it clean for those guys. Um, And then, without question, that was the best our safeties had played in in a long time. So, I thought Anthony Wilson was really good in the game. Aubrey Burks um, is back looking like he did pre-TCU. So, I think those are some of the reasons why we played better.
0: How to get Jaheim White more involved over the last couple weeks and, and really see what he's capable of tonight and start to finish. What's it been like bringing him along?
2: Yeah, you know, I think this game is really hard to play as a true freshman. And that's why there's a reason why you don't see a whole lot. And usually the ones that are able to do it, like the guys that we've had, if you look at Zach Frazier, Wyatt Milam, people like that that have played a lot of football as true freshmen, uh, they're usually pretty special. And he's got a chance to be special. You know, he's a long way where he's at you know, right now and what he can be, there's a big gap. And so if he continues to do the things that it takes to be great, then he is going to be a great one. And, uh, he can break tackle. He's, he's got good burst. He's really improved on his ball security. He's learned how to practice and prepare, which is probably the hardest thing to do when you go from high school to college. Um, and he's earned these opportunities, you know, he got 16 carries today. Um, that's the most he's had in a game. I'm pretty sure. Um, and this is, uh, the second time he's gone over 100, you know he had uh, around 90 last week, and so he's going to be important for us. As is Rodney, you know we got Rodney some touches, and he's going to continue to be important for us too as we go down the stretch. Were you at all surprised that Slovis didn't go, and how did that change your prep at all? You know, um, you know, I saw it, it was weird. So I'm not on I'm not on social media, so I get all of my I get all my stuff on ESPN and and. Uh, on ESPN and, and some Apple news stuff. And so I got on my phone after our practice on uh, Thursday and we have a call with our data analytics and a lot of the data analytics are tied into your, the, the point spreads and our game really jumped and I thought that was weird. And, and so uh, when it came out that I, I guess that's the reason why. Um I don't know. I you know, I'm not in there in there. Um I don't even know if he was here. I have no idea. Um but we it was too late in the week to change. You know, we spent a lot of time watching junior college football on uh on Thursday evening late, you know, some of our advanced people and on Friday. And then we went back and looked at some film from last couple of years because, you know, BYU's had some you know, they got two NFL guys starting on Sunday. You know, so the last two starting quarterbacks they've had are starting in the NFL this weekend. And so, and both those guys are a little bit, are mobile. So we went back and watched some film on that on Friday. Uh, but we didn't really alter our run game. I mean, excuse me, we didn't really alter our uh, our plan defensively. It was too late in the week. Neil, you really needed to get uh, Jaheim and CJ going after that stretch they had.
0: Just it, it seems like you and Chad have just, I guess, pushed all the right buttons for, for both of them.
2: Well, I don't know, you know, it, Jaheim was more of a. He wasn't playing a little. He wasn't playing as much, and that was more of a. Um, you know, it was more of how he was practicing and preparing. You know, and and so, I think when you have a veteran group up front, like it's important like that you earn those opportunities. And and he just wasn't there. You know, and we we had a lot of faith in him because we knew he was talented. And so, you know, we just kept on. And a lot of credit to Chad kept kept on Jaheim and. You know, he was coming around, you know, and he, and he started practicing better and he started preparing better and taking care of all the stuff off the field. And, and now he's seeing the fruit of those results. And, and my, my, my guess is that he probably won't backslide again because he now as he sees, okay, that you know, if I invest this, this is a result. And so I like how this feels. I like the results I'm getting. I'll continue to do the things that, that it takes to do that. And then CJ was just, you know, it was part confidence, part him. You know, what, what was happening when he went through that stretch where he really wasn't playing well – he was really pressing. Um, people were playing him different. And he was just leaving a lot of yards out there. And, and really, last week, and I'm pretty sure this is the case this week, is he went back and just did the basic things as far as setting up his runs, not being impatient, um, using his blockers, uh, lowering his pads on contact. Um, but it, it, it hasn't been anything that's necessarily um, been a revelation by any means. It's just they kind of went back to basics and, and it's paying off for him.
0: What's it mean to be full eligible and do, do it this early? And did you sell that at all to the team?
2: Over no, Saturday? we didn't talk about it. No, we really didn't. Um, I didn't even say anything about it in the locker room. Um, really, to me, it's about, you know, the best teams play their best in November. Um, and that was the best game we've played this year. And so we got a four-game stretch in November. That's why we're attacking it. We're 1-0. Um, you know, and what I told them is, like, results are, you know, bowl eligibility, all those type of things. We're, we're alive and well in the conference race, and that's what we're talking about. Um, and obviously a big game next week to see to, to continue to play our way in. Um, but we're, just, we're on a quest to play our best. You know? And I felt like tonight was the best, comp- or most complete game we've played. We've played at a high level offensively in games. We've played at a high level defensively in games. And we've played at a high level in special teams. But until tonight, we really hadn't played all three together. And so, um, and, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to watch the film. I know, like, the penalties irritate me. Um, so I'm sure that we're going to watch the film and, and say, hey, there's a lot of improvement to still make. Um, but that's that's kind of discussions we've had in house.
0: Final thought here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast Nick Farrell and Angelica Trinone with you to put a bow on this postgame episode. Mountaineers beating the Cougars by 30 in their first meeting as Big 12 foes. So we discussed it earlier. Let's get a final thought here. Three games left. Next is at Oklahoma. It's the final time these teams are going to meet in the regular season as members of the Big 12. And it could be the final time that they meet for the foreseeable future. Uh, Oklahoma has lost back-to-back games coming into this. When you're looking at this matchup, Angelica, and I realize we've got all week to discuss this, but I just want just one quick thought from you. Do you think, hey, man, Oklahoma is just not playing good football right now, and they're a very beatable team? Or... Do you hate the idea of going up against an Oklahoma team that's dropped back-to-back games and have to go to their place to play them?
1: What do we always say when it's Big 12 basketball? Bonkers in the Big 12. And let me tell you, with the way the Kansas State-Texas game went, you talk about this Bedlam game, I would not not put anything past next week between the Sooners and the Mountaineers. Could West Virginia go in there and play with – a lot of confidence confidence and maybe catch a uh, OU team that's feeling a little down on itself. Yeah. Could it also go in there feeling really good about itself and catching an OU team that wants to make someone pay for the Bedlam loss, the last one as conference uh, rivals? I think, yeah. So for me, I think you almost have to focus more on West Virginia and not be thinking about that with Oklahoma. I think you go into it knowing that what's this whole season been about proving people wrong another opportunity to prove people wrong and like we had talked about like coach brown said you can't even be thinking about that bowl game about bowl eligibility i think to me you go into each one of these last games with thinking how do we go undefeated in the month of november and west virginia has to play like it played tonight in order to do that in Oklahoma. but like here's the thing. I mean Garrett Green, he scored at uh, in Norman before and remember whenever West Virginia went we out there Oklahoma for a while last
0: season right? Yeah. yeah well
1: but but in norm obviously a tough place to play in Norman but I mean West Virginia was able to keep that one a three point game for a while like you said beat him last season. These things can be done. However, we have seen what happens to a West Virginia team that feels good about itself. Sometimes that unfortunately gets the best of them. So that's why I'm saying next week go in there and think of it as not an OU team that, oh, it it had two straight losses, maybe it's down. No, you go in there and think what a great opportunity to not only beat Oklahoma back to back, but send it out of the Big 12 conference with a loss to West Virginia. That's I like what it. I think. I like I'm it. I'm telling you, put me in the look at that. I'm ready. I'm ready to go in the locker room. I'm ready to be
0: motivational. It could you, be all the caffeine. I'm going to make you start giving inspirational speeches before episodes of Mountaineer Game Day and I Neil Brown but, show tapings.
1: But I, but I do think that it's true that West, West Virginia needs to go in there understanding, much like tonight, what a great opportunity it is and not think any more of it. Because sometimes when this team is feeling a little bit too good, that's where the lack of consistency comes in
0: you ready for breaking news that's just come across the wire yes. here as we wrap up recording the podcast just shy of eleven thirty eastern time on saturday november 4th 2023 the breaking news is kick time and network set for Don't west virginia versus oklahoma go ahead and give me your network guess first
1: no because if you're gonna tell me that it's a night okay, game the
0: network is fox guess the kick time quickly we're running out oh of time oh my gosh
1: is it 8 p.m
0: oh no but you're
1: close It's another 7. It is a
0: 7 o'clock kick on Fox, West Virginia versus Oklahoma, 7 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. For more details on West Virginia's schedule, you can head to goldenbluenation.com or check out the free Golden Blue Nation app for the latest kick time updates. Uh, So that means 7 o'clocker, another prime timer. Senior day, still TBA. The game after Thanksgiving against Baylor on the 25th, still TBA. There's a fuzzies right down the road from the Palace on the Prairie. There is a
1: fuzzies, but when people Go schedule this, they forget there. that Mountaineer game day is 10 yeah. to noon Eastern yeah, time tough. regardless We've had a rough of the time. kick.
0: We have had a rough time. I, you need to call up Brett you or Mark. Just well, be like, hey, Brett, listen, brother. Love no, you No, I say nope. this.
1: I'm, putting, I'm saying Mountaineer fans, you were so upset about all the noon kicks. You wanted yeah, night games so bad. That's you true. wanted them so bad that we got basically an, an entire, entire season, season full. Games. And <laughs> while I love that for you guys, think of us in television for it. Yeah,
0: they don't care. Think of us. No, they, they don't. do not care. They think you're whining right now. That's what they're saying. No,
1: I, I'm not whining. Carini's, I'm just as Tony asking Caridi's for says- –
0: Oh, sorry, as Tony Caridi says, why don't you go work in a coal mine for a little bit, see how that feels. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean. I, no disrespect
0: I, to coal miners. I think it's just a side of uh, how much more difficult some professions are than others. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I'm I'm just saying to the fans, my message, be careful what you wish for, because I've even seen yeah. a lot of people tweeting, like, would would it hurt for a 330? And I agree. Would it hurt for a 330? But guess what? Mountaineers after dark, they've been pretty good in prime time this season. Well,
0: Other than well, the Houston game. I said pretty good. Yep.
1: I said pretty good. Yeah. So, um, you know, we'll see. Could be a great night in Norman and like you said, there there's a fuzzies there. So I'll good I'll hang you. my hope
0: on that the story on this night. West Virginia, the team picked to finish 14th in the Big 12, is bowl eligible 6-3 and overall after defeating BYU 37-7 at Milan Pushkar Stadium. Did you vote in that preseason poll, by the way? I didn't. Oh, that's interesting. Neither did I. I'd like to meet the people who voted for West Virginia 14th in the Big 12 preseason poll. Probably got way more cushy jobs than we do. It's just my guess. I not, not out here grinding guarantee grinding you for we your game probably your
1: colleagues with
0: you think so? Some of them. Well, I just want to just want to say this end this podcast by saying Angelica, when you have a big cushy job and you're voting in the preseason poll every year, just don't remember your roots or don't forget your roots. That's all. That's all I'm going to say.
1: And you thought I was the one who was who voted getting a- in the poll? No. Oh. No, you thought you thought that I was the one speaking from the heart here on yeah, the podcast. Yep. You're podcast. just bringing it at the
0: end. Podcast has gone completely off the rails tonight, folks. We appreciate you being with us. We'll try to have like Ryan Decker or Kevin Redford next week so we can this try is to keep what things happens. more on track.
1: This is what happens <laughs> exactly. when you have me on, but it's all, uh, it's always entertaining.
0: If you did for some reason enjoy this episode, which we hope you did, you might want to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or Amazon Podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Make sure to check out the free Golden Blue Nation app so you never more than touch away from the latest Mountaineer sports headlines. Okay Okay. okay, they're shutting the lights off at Milan Pushkar Stadium, so let's go home. Uh, She's Angelica. I'm Nick Farrell. We'll talk to you next time on the GBN Pod.